welcome to the second episode of our 3D Med Talks podcast series, brought to you by 3D MedNet. I'm Georgie Makin, editor of 3D MedNet, a community website that unites the diverse and multifaceted world of medical 3D printing with the aim of advancing the field together. In this episode, alongside our latest 3D in Focus feature, we will be looking at 3D printing in neurology and neuroscience, particularly focusing on approaches to spinal cord injury research. According to the Mayo Clinic, a spinal cord injury is defined as damage to any part of the spinal cord or nerves at the end of the spinal canal. The consequences or symptoms of a spinal cord injury may include permanent changes in movement ability, strength, sensation and other bodily functions depending on the site of the injury. Scientists around the world are working to one day make the repair of spinal cord injuries possible, employing different technologies, techniques and areas of medicine including 3D printing and regenerative medicine. Joining me today to discuss some of this work is Jacob Koffler, a bioengineer neuroscientist working at the Centre for Neural Repair within the School of Medicine at the University of California, San Diego. Hello Jacob and welcome to 3D Med Talks. Hi, thank you for having me on the podcast. To start with, Jacob, would you be able to give us a little bit of background around how you first got into working with regeneration after traumatic spinal cord and peripheral nerve injuries? Yeah, so um, I started in bioengineering um, in my PhD where I worked on um, vascularized uh, skeletal muscle tissue engineering. So that was for the purpose of um, volumetric uh, muscle loss, um, kind of an injuries where you need to move a piece of muscle from one side to the other to reconstruct the injured area. And then towards the end, I, want, I would, wanted to stay within uh, tissue engineering and I was looking for an area where I could have um, an impact to really contribute. And in the field of um, spinal cord injuries, peripheral nerve injuries back then, there was little that was done um, in the context of tissue engineering. So I decided that I would like to be involved um, in those fields, and sort of, I, I moved to uh, the center of neural for neural repair to work on um, bringing those two fields together: tissue engineering and spinal cord injuries, peripheral nerve injuries, together. How did you come to meet 3D printing technologies? What led you to investigate the use of 3D printing in neuroscience R&D, particularly with spinal cord injuries? So, um, again, when I was exposed to 3D printing around 2009, 2010, when I was still doing my PhD um, in Israel, and I was really excited by this technology. Um, but um, I was trying to think how I could really use that. So what I did in my PhD, again, those vascularized skeletal muscles were not 3D printed, and I wanted to bring 3D printing into my day-to-day work. So when I moved into um, spinal cord injuries and peripheral nerve injuries, um, I decided that that would be one of my main goals, to use uh, 3D printing to build my my tissues, to fabricate my tissues. So the goal really when I came to San Diego was when when I came in, I said, I will um, print, 3D print spinal cords. I, I will 3D print uh, tissue, um, you know, back then it was 2000, early 2011. No one really knew what I was talking about. So mm-hmm. it, it took some time to, you know, educate people and and get some um, collaboration.
operation and get this thing built um, so we can really um, push forward and have this capability to print um, spinal cord tissue and peripheral nerve tissue. How are 3D printing and bioprinting technologies benefiting wider R&D projects within neuroscience? What is it about the technologies that best demonstrates their suitability to being applied to neuro-based R&D? Right, so it's, it's, it's really the concept of allowing us to build any type of, of scaffold and tissue that we wish. And, and when I say any type, we mean two kind of aspects. So the first one is the, the contour, the outer shape, the way the, the structure looks like from the outside. And we can print, um, you know, we started with, uh, with spinal cord injuries and um, we can print an, a scaffold, a tissue that would match the patient um, injury, something that hasn't been done before, really, to, to be able and create a perfect interface with the intact spinal cord that really improve the uh, ability to regenerate if there is regeneration. Um, that's a different concept, biological concept, but um, really to have the ability to match that, um, that spinal cord injury contour. And the second one is the ability to print an inner structure and that's a second aspect that's very important to us in the, when we're looking at um, improving regeneration, enhancing axonal regeneration, is the ability to print strictly linear channels, guidance channels, that what they do is they provide pathway for those regenerating axons to bridge the lesion site. Without that pathway, these axons just go all over the place. They, they're going in random directions, and you can see them in the lesion site. If they get into the lesion site, they're positioned in different angles. When you provide these um, microchannels, they restrict the freedom of regeneration, and so an axon that gets into a lesion site would go only in one direction, and that's the other side, because there's a tunnel and there's only one way. So we can really um, create a sophisticated structure that also mimic the native architecture of the spinal cord. And that's, again, something that hasn't been done before, the ability to mimic the natural architecture that was developed in evolution and is very effective because in the spinal cord itself, the axon, those regenerating nerves, they're, they're straight, they're linear. And what we're doing is we're mimicking using 3D printing that architecture, something that hasn't been done before, and you, you, you couldn't really do that without the ability to print any design that you would like. So are there any key considerations which may limit wider uptake of these technologies in spinal cord injury research? How far is your work regulated or restricted by current guidelines or by limitations with present-day technologies? Yeah, so, I mean, limitations are come mainly from the material side, not so much. I mean, it depends on the 3D printing method that, we, that you're using, right? So um, usually when people say 3D printing, you're thinking about uh, nozzle-based printers, right? Inkjet printers. The, the method that we're using is, uh, is light-based um, polymerization, light-based 3D printing. So you're really building your, your structure using light. Um, sort of a, a 
obviously stereo lithography to tell something to people. So it's a more of an old kind of uh, concept. Um, and so the limitations come sometimes from materials uh, because you need to match the material to the tissue that you're going into. Um, and uh, so it's really the question of which material can you use with the specific 3D printing method that you're doing, that you're using. Um, limitations can come also from, in terms of regulation, um, you might think because it's, it's a method that hasn't been really used in the clinic, um, you know, the FDA issued some kind of regulations, I think it was a year and a half ago, um, but it's more of a guideline because no one has really came forward with a product in the clinic that went through clinical trials um, and has been, you know, approved. And so there is a guideline from the FDA and anybody who wishes then to move forward would have to work with the FDA um, to get this approved and get this really into commercial manufacturing because the whole aspect of manufacturing here is very different. You're not building inventories anymore. So when you build inventories, you have a, a, a pretty much you know what your manufacturing method would look like because you're building ahead of time. But when you're doing custom made, it's pretty obvious that you would have to change and tweak your manufacturing almost every time. So the the approach to manufacturing is maybe a bit different, is more into the quality control, and that's in the guidelines as well. And so um, regulations is something that we really um, have to step with the FDA together to get these things approved. And whomever that would like to do that would have to have extensive meetings uh, with the FDA. How do you see 3D printing, bioprinting and other 3D medical technologies evolving in the neurospace? What are you expecting to see with your work and in the wider field over the next five to ten years? Yeah, so um, I really, I mean, in, in, the, in the space of neuro research, I think that really spinal cord injuries, peripheral nerve injuries, again, something that hasn't been really achieved before, um, using 3D printing to print peripheral nerve um, tissue and scaffolds to enhance regeneration is something that I think would really um, be more common um, in research and maybe towards commercial commercialization in, in products. Um, that's probably something we're going to see in the next five years. Um, in a wider, wider kind of aspect, um, I think 3D printing has a great potential in, uh, in to contribute to space exploration um, because you are limited in, you know, in, in what you can take up to orbit or when you go out to space. Um, and our method is, uh, I think, um, can contribute a lot because unlike, the, again, the, the, the common 3D printing method where you use a, a nozzle um, to deposit material and what people are doing, they're using viscous materials in order to hold the structure in 3D, to hold the structure in the Z-axis. Um, we don't need to do that because we're polymerizing the structure. So once we finish printing, the structure stands in place by itself, while with other methods, um, you have to go into polymerization solutions or, or, or 
any kind of, of using any kind of materials that really it's if you use very viscous materials to hold your your structure those materials are toxic to cells so it's, it's a bit of a difficult to build a good structure uh, called a, a good living structure uh, while with our method it's more you could do that uh, more easily um, and so uh, I think that um, we would see more research being done into um, using 3D printing in space um, to see what this can really contribute in that aspect. That sounds very exciting. Do you have any final thoughts or comments you would like to add before we wrap up? I think it's uh, you know, I think 3D printing is a really exciting field and providing a lot of uh, options for research, um, and really anybody with an idea today can execute. You know, unlike um, years ago, when if you had an idea, you had to build a lab and start um, a big operation, let's call that a sophisticated operation, in order to execute an idea in the field of neuroscience, especially in the field of neuroscience and biology. Um, but 3D printing really gives you a tool to, to test questions quite readily. And I think it's very exciting for, for any innovation. And finally, do you have any suggestions for where our audience can go to find out more about your work or other exciting projects in the field? Um, if you just Google Jacob Poffler and UC San Diego, you'll see my uh, uh, web page uh, with all the details about the work that I'm doing and uh, my research. Um, you can, of course, find me on uh, um, ResearchGate, um, if you also look in uh, Nature Medicine, that's a high-tier uh, journal in the translational um, medicine field, so Jacob Koffler, Nature Medicine in Google, you'll find a um, paper that describes uh, our um, scientific uh, research in the context of 3D printing and uh, spinal cord injury repair. Thank you, Jacob. It has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for in this 3D Med Talks episode. You can find out more about Jacob's research and others working with 3D printing in the neurology and neuroscience fields in the latest 3D in Focus feature on 3D MedNet. You can also find more resources surrounding spinal cord injury R&D on our sister websites, NeuroCentral at www.neuro-central.com and RegMedNet at www.regmednet.com. Finally, before I leave you, 3D MedNet members may already be aware that we are hosting a brand new two-day conference in London on the 2nd and 3rd of October called 3D Med Live 3D Printing and Surgery. Accredited by the Royal College of Surgeons for up to 10.5 CPD points, the programme is packed with roundtable discussions as well as case studies and beyond the theatre conversations, all focused on surgical 3D printing. You can find out more and book your tickets via the website at www.3dmedlive.com or join the conversation through our dedicated room on 3D MedNet. This episode has been hosted by Georgie Makin and produced by Georgie Makin and Siobhan Bennett. Make sure you check out the 3D MedNet website and social media accounts for more information about future podcasts and join me on Twitter via at Georgie Makin.